it is really important that um, we share really honestly where we went wrong, what didn't work, what did work, what we've got now, uh, and how great life is. It is possible to move on from being an active addiction. We're on Instagram, which is the underscore Dynamo Project. I think, are we, what else are we on? Drugs. No. <laughs> are we? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I want that in there. How you got into recovery? Oh, how did I? Again, that was down to my amazing mum. You know, yeah. had it not been for her, I wouldn't have bothered, to be honest with you. I always wanted to have some kind of substance in me. I didn't like it to just be me. I found it really uncomfortable. It was problematic for me from the start. I could never stop drinking and it would always be to the extreme until I physically couldn't take any more. I wouldn't say I felt the need to escape. I felt the need to be loved. That's all we want to do. We want to let yeah. people out there that you're not alone. There's people out there willing to help. Today we are joined by our very special guest who I will allow oh, to thanks, introduce Kieran. yourself. So. Tell everyone who you are. Okay, so my name's Lauren. Yeah. How old are you, Lauren? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't answer that. So anyone that's familiar with our previous podcasts, you may notice that we're now in a different setting. We're in a beautiful metal container, which has been lovely done out. You'd never know it's here, actually, would you? <laughs> no, <laughs> you just it's just popped up from nowhere. Lovely. I don't think you're supposed to know we're in a metal. <laughs> <laughs> the less people know, the better, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so people that have listened to our podcast before, they will sort of have an understanding of what we try to do within our podcast. Yeah. For those of you that are new, um, what we like to talk about is obviously this is about people being in recovery from addiction issues. Mm -hmm. As our intro says, this is our addiction to recovery podcast. Um, this is where we, me and Pete, uh, talk very openly about our addiction issues. And more importantly, we also talk about our recovery, because mm. that's a very good message to get out there. And we want to, for me, the main high focus I have is that <coughs> it's okay to be struggling around addiction. And I think the more people that we reach and they hear our stories, the more people we could potentially give the impetus to, to ask for help, yeah? Mm -hmm. I think that's very important because a lot of addiction is <clears throat> behind shadows. Yeah. Um, the word anonymous is used a lot. Yeah. Um, which is okay, but we're trying to break that mold. I so, never heard the word recovery when I was in active addiction. No one ever said that word mm -hmm. to me at all. I never sat around in a room when what we were using What word did they say to you? More. More. <laughs> money. Yeah. Actually, I can More remember money. the um, first word that was said to me in a break that I couldn't uh, comprehend at all, and it was abstinence. Mm. Yeah. And I couldn't understand what this oh, word was saying. I still don't know what I that just, means. Well, it's abstaining from <laughs> yeah. my adultery substance, Karen, as you should well know. <laughs> um, you know, and it took me quite some time to actually get my head around that, because I thought it was all about physical dependency, you see. And I fell short with that one for several years to come. So how do you feel about being on a podcast? Oh, how do I feel about being on the podcast? I'll be honest, slightly nervous. Yeah. Throwing in at the deep end, um, but more than happy to do it. The people that are watching this, mm. as opposed to listening, they'll see Lauren sat here. Yeah. Um, and this is the Lauren that you are today. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get to to understand how you got to this point where you are today. 
But I think for our listeners as well, it's very good to understand where you've come from. Yeah. So that contrast of where you were <coughs> to where you are now is a very, it's a very important message that we want to get across. So um, me and Pete, I've spoke about our stories quite a lot, don't we? But I think over the podcast, we will dip into our own experiences and how we relate to what you're going to tell us. Yeah. And for the listeners out there, if you can relate to anything that myself, Pete and Lauren do say, um, it could be a good indication that maybe you are struggling with the same things that we struggle with and that help is available. Mm. That's all we want to do. We want to let yeah. people out there that you're not alone. There's mm. people out there willing to help. So yeah. I could ask you a very broad question, Lauren, um, like tell me about your past, but I think that's a, probably a bit too of a broader question. So for our listeners and for me and Pete, now I said to you earlier, that, um, me and Pete have had guests on here and I almost sort of knew what they were going to answer Pete because we knew them. You know, and I do know you, and Pete knows you. <clears throat> but I don't know anything about how you've about your past. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. So I'll be learning about you at the same time everybody else is, and I and I find that quite interesting because mm-hmm. I'm very interested to to learn about you as a person, and the person that you are, and the person that you yet intend to become. Because mm. we're always striving, aren't we? Past, present, and future. Yeah. <laughs> but do you do do you do you agree? Do, do you know much about Lauren's past? No, let's hear it. Yeah. I hear him talking so all the time. I want to hear you talking one. now. Yeah. So, so tell us a bit about who Lauren is, where you're from, your upbringing, what was it like in your early years, you know, and feel free to talk about what you want and what you don't want. It's okay. You, yeah. Talk us about Lauren in early years. Oh, Lauren in the early years. So I'm not from um, Coventry, or I live in Birmingham, no. as you know, currently. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've been there for four years, but actually I'm not from Birmingham. I'm from a place called Paul down in Dorset. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's where I began my recovery, which was four years ago now. Um, so my early years, Kieran, as you asked. So I've just said I'm from Paul down in Dorset. Um, I come from a very loving family. Um, I was shown a lot of love, um, actually, from the females in my family. Tell me your family dynamic, is it? Mum, dad, brother, sister, what's the So my mum and dad, up? my mum and my real dads are calling, they yeah. um, split up when I was three. Yeah. Um, and that had a massive impact on me because at the time I perceived that as I felt really abandoned, he just left with no idea why. Because as a three-year-old, you don't have that understanding, do you, of relationship breakdowns? Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, it's only been in the recent years that I've come to understand that it was nothing about me. It was actually a breakdown with my mum. Um However, that played out in my relationships through my teenagers and my um, early 20s, coming up to my 30s, actually. You know, I always had this um, fear and concern about somebody leaving me, and I would, you know, uh, really struggle with my feelings around that, and it really heightened my addiction from the age of 18 onwards for several years. Um, So I had a very good, you know, I try and work with um, a client slot now around structure and routine, I was provided with a really good structure and routine um, through my life from my mum. So it was a kind of routine that was given to me. But I danced from age three to 18. I danced for the Queen, actually, when I was 16. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you sure you did? Or... Yeah, that's not... <laughs> what, what, Lauren, what age were you when you first put any substance in your body? I made the decision myself to drink. I was 13 and... Um, I drank a whole bottle of vodka, the whole thing, you know, and I felt like this um, new person. I felt like how I wanted to feel without it. Little did I know that that was going to cause complications en masse 
in in the years um, after that. How old were you when you you have said this before? I forgot. How old were you when you first had a drink or a drug? Very young. I don't remember how old I was. You were, I remember you, it was like it was ridiculously young, wasn't it? Yeah, I was really young, and it was the same with the drink. Like drink to blackout, and I was before yeah. before my <clears> teens. And where was it? In the, being in the state. Yeah, was it? Was it right? Your grand, granddad. Oh, when I first tried alcohol. Yeah, yeah. I, I was remember, in my nan and granddad's. Yeah, yeah, yeah they had a bar. That. Yeah. That's what Lauren said. My nan was great. My nan was. She was. My nan was another great nan. <laughs> she used to give me a drink and a few dies of pan. That we used to have a right good laugh. And them days are gone now. So, so is <laughs> that's, she, that's by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All my nan gave me was spuds. Yeah. There was no vodka or diet. You make vodka out of them, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. There's going to be a lot of spurts. There was no yeah. drugs. <laughs> so you were, how old are you? 13? Mm. You had a whole bottle of vodka. Yeah. And do you remember that uh, situation <clears throat> vividly? I remember it vividly because it didn't end well. And unfortunately, that was another event that would play out later on for me. And sort of, um, oh, how do I put it? So it contributed massively to my distrust in men. I'll okay, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, um, okay. It was an extremely unfortunate event and I was very young. Um, yeah. And, you know, I blame, I didn't tell anybody about anything that had happened for 25 years, actually. 20 years. Yeah. A long time until I went to a rehabilitation facility. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, on, on alcohol, like on reflection now, when I look back, like... I drank all through. I mean, I had the stability. You know, I was a very good dancer. I went to a girls' grammar school and I did quite well academically. I could have done better. I was more interested in boys um, going out at the weekend and those sorts of social plans, shall we say. Not the boys, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on here this is a really honest podcast <laughs> get as honest as you like Gary. I'm at the deep end myself <laughs> um, did, did you hold all that in then all them years I did yeah you just no one knew yeah and at the time I was too worried about um, people finding out that I drank alcohol to come to anything like that and I yeah. suppose as time goes on you know and I was a sort of person that would suppress everything anyway and go you know just move on and get on with things um, you know, but everybody was drinking at that age, and people still do now, don't they? And because it's so socially acceptable, you know, I didn't realize that that was going to be a problem, but it was problematic for me from the start. I could never stop drinking, and it would always be to the extreme until I physically couldn't take any more. That's a common theme, isn't it? That's yeah, it was almost instant. I yeah. would have to get uh, <clears throat> more drunk than my, my mates. Yeah. Whether I achieved that or not, I probably didn't, but, but it was my intention. So I just drank, drank, drank. Like, because everybody else was doing that anyway, you never recognised that there might have been a problem. No, because it's... I couldn't stop once it started, and that was a dead cert from the outset. Do you think drinking is normalised in... I think when you're all quite young, there is consequences, but you all find it quite funny. So, yeah, of course. You know, when you're all doing daft stuff, like I would drink, I would have to get carried or I'd get found. And it would be quite funny in the pub near me. Like you got get found, found. Yeah, I'd get found through the night. I'd be outside or yeah. looking back now, there were consequences already. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? My drinking was out of control pretty fast. Yeah. And I was 100%. very, very quickly drinking on my own. I remember a few of my friends saying to me, why are you going in the pub with all the old men who are drinking in the day on your own? You're like, you're in your teens. I'm like, I don't know. I just wanted to be drunk all the time. I always wanted to have some kind of substance in me. Mm. I didn't like to just be me. I, did, I found it really mm. uncomfortable, but. Um, with the drinking with people like us, it seems to be, it's never the occasional just a sip and a few pints. It's just really all it's in. Hard, yeah, it's yeah. all in. Same with you, same with Kieran. 
So how was like school for school for you? <clears throat> school for me was difficult, um, but how was it for you? So I loved it, to be honest with you. Yeah. And like I didn't, I've heard a lot of people around recovery that felt sort of left out or different. Like, I never felt that. Like I definitely struggled with my feelings and being able to regulate. Was and... you popular at school? Yes. I wasn't. Okay. Was you, Pete? I was stoned. <laughs> really stoned. A bit of a mixed bag out there, really. <laughs> I was really, really stoned. Me and my mates. Was you? Yeah. School was great. Yeah, I was not. I wasn't popular at school. I did crave attention. Yeah, so. I, I did. I wish that I'd done better in the sub subjects that I, I was actually you interested. No, you were, you were right first time. <laughs> You excelled in substance. Yeah. Oh, we had a little pill now and then on the playground. Say it out if yeah. you were top of the class with that thing. Yeah, yeah. Me and my mate Mark used to bring a couple of pills in. Or did you know you was going to be an expert? You took pills at school. It served as well, didn't it? Honestly. Well, yeah, yeah a couple. Yeah. In lesson. Oh no, we bumped off a little bit. Didn't we? <laughs> we might have thought we were in lesson. Actually, I was going to take one in signs. That would mess yeah. your head up. That would. We're both in recovery. Me and him now. Yeah, it didn't end very well. Well, it actually, it actually has ended well. So I'm sitting here on a podcast. So all's well yeah. that ends well, right? Who's, who's, You're not well. Who's laughing now? <laughs> so you're popular at school. There was no like yeah, any like rough times in school. Anything you think? Oh, that would probably uh, can identify was the reason why you failed down the addiction route. No, I don't believe my addiction was anything to do with my schooling. Um, mine was. Um, you know, I always had that um, obsessive compulsive nature from the mm. off. <clears throat> so that was always there. Um, I am like at, the most obsessive person. Just very quickly, sorry to what at, at school my mates used to fancy different girls. You know, like all different girls. I would I would fancy the same girl yeah. the whole school year. <clears throat> it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. I would never deal with that because I'm just Mad, well, it's not it? mad to us, that's how normal, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I knew it was different to... Yeah, in that thought, sense, yes. Yeah. But externally, and how I would present, it wouldn't have come across like that. That's yeah. the sort of stuff that I would keep to myself, so to speak. Um, what was I going to say? What did, what did you... Um, what forms of escapism did you use before you picked up any substance? Can you remember anything you used to use to escape with anything like sport, anything? Yes, yeah, so I was at I was your a dance, dancer. Yeah. yeah so... You know, like escapism without <laughs> substance. You know, like now, a bit, I'll go to the gym. People, a lot of people train. And I buy clothes. I find it a bit of an escape to go to the gym, put some music on. What did you do before drugs? Did you feel the need to escape? Um, I wouldn't say I felt the need to escape. I felt the need to be loved. Oh, and I felt the need to be wanted and all of that sort of stuff. And I, because that's what was missing from my life. I had it from my mum, but she wasn't that available because she was always with um, mm. my stepdad that I didn't particularly form a healthy relationship with. Yeah. And my real dad, as I call him, who I've got an excellent relationship with now, mm -hmm. um, but he wasn't there either. So I was always looking for that. Um, Do you, you think know, absent dad? had an effect on you as a little girl 100 yeah. percent. and you know through different situations that happened in my developmental <clears throat> years of growing up i really struggled to regulate my feelings and emotions i never learned that so i was in fight flight or freeze constantly that was how i would react to different um situations and then when i would come up against something in my late teens especially um i would use alcohol to regulate myself and yeah. later it would progress into class a drugs unfortunately um 
you know, so I, you know, once I ended up um, engaging with men, that's when um, my addiction was really heightened mm-hmm. um, and I needed to self-soothe. And that I found, and I would, you know, that's what I found in alcohol and the drugs that I could confidently move through any experience, traumatic or not, with my drugs and my as long as I had that all as well. So you pro- progressed through school <clears throat> and it was... Yeah. You left school or did you go to... So I left school. So I left school and as I was talking about wanting that love and stuff from somebody, I, f- I um, found a partner, um, but I was drinking at the time um, and I ended up having um, my son at age 19, who you met last week, who yeah. actually did his life experience nice lad, with wasn't me. Yeah, lovely um, lad, yeah. <clears throat> so I had my son young. Um, yeah, so... I was I would do well when somebody was responsible for me and I was responsible for somebody else. But taking responsibility for myself, I found difficult. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yes. So when I was living at home with my mum and she was providing that for me, you know, I could um, I could move through life quite well. And when I had my son in my care, um, I could move through life, even though I had one foot in, one foot out of my addiction. Um, I could move through life quite well doing that so because I was responsible for him so that sort of kept me going it gave me a routine um but that was to change completely in the later years um as my addiction progressed so did my consequences with it as you well know um you know and my son he um we went through the court system and he lives with my parents yeah so what how what 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 point do you would you say specifically that the wheels fell off in terms of addiction? Can you pinpoint a certain time or the wheels fell off when I picked up heroin? Okay. Before then, it was um it was bad, and um in the amount that I would use with cocaine and alcohol, um and I I, I didn't touch any class A's till I was eighteen. And um, what was the first one you that you touched? Cocaine. Cocaine. Yeah. Um. I want to ask both of you's opinion now on something. What do you think the society's perception of cocaine is? I believe that it's um, I think so deemed socially acceptable. Pete? I agree. I think it's... Um, I think if people talk about cocaine in society, in pubs, maybe in other places, it's not so much frowned upon. It's a bit of a laugh. Um it's like the party, party drug. drug, isn't it? It's it, it's it's in every film. If there's a if there's a film and there's a party, there's music, there's cocaine on the table. It's just okay. It's glamorized, isn't it? In films, it's really, especially. really is glamorized. Um, they, they don't. And, and uh, that's funny you say that. I what did I say to you the day I watched the film called Cocaine Bear? Yeah. Didn't I about oh. a bear who found cocaine and sniffed it and went on the rampage. A bear? Yeah, yeah. I reckon yeah. it's a true story. I'm very sceptical. Yeah, I'm on the fence to that one. But I don't yeah. think you'd I don't think you'd watch something called heroin bear. Nah. Or I probably would. It'd be very sleepy, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. It'd be it'd be asleep all the time. You'd always be asleep and everyone eats porridge. Yeah. Or, 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 Maybe they are on heroin, ain't they asleep all the time anyway? Yeah. Yeah. But it's very <laughs> rare that someone would go from nothing to crack, is it? Not, you know, it, it, what I'm trying to say? Yeah, so you sort or of that progress, heroin, yeah. It'll always be alcohol. Right. And I think cocaine is probably most likely what first substance people will dabble in. And I know firsthand what cocaine can do to someone's life. Yeah. And we, us two, us three see that, don't we? <clears throat> yeah, of course. 
So you talk. So you, I know a bit about Pete's progression. You were cocaine, weren't you? Did For a you, long was, period of was time. Cocaine, yeah. your first experience of that sort of world. Of the highs, it was, I suppose. My my drug taking started with cannabis, alcohol, cannabis, um, ecstasy, amphetamines, and then cocaine. When I tried cocaine, I was really young. I couldn't afford it. I was really young. How young? Young, um, early teens, like probably about fourteen. Yeah, but I remember there. trying it around. There was there was an older girl's house we were around. And I tried it. She just put a line out and like charged me like twenty pound. I thought, you got ripped off there. Yeah, well, I was a kid. We were all getting ripped off. <laughs> Something daft like that. But I just remember thinking, wow, that was expensive. Well, we just went back. I would have found it from somewhere then. You know what? Three for a hundred. You know what? I remember being really young, so I, I remember thinking, I need some more money off my mom. Like this is really, right. This is really expensive. You need to go to the bank. Well, no, I'm glad what, I didn't live in Coventry. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, what we did is we just we just went back to pills. They're only two pound each. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a will, there's a way. You can get ten pills or one line. It's a no-brainer, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it was shit as well. It was really bad. If only I had even went coke. Back for another one, though, didn't you? I didn't, yeah, I tried. It, yeah, I think we ticked another line each and then then got off. And how long did how long were you on this the, the journey of coke and alcohol? Is it sustainable for a while? So, yes, it was sustained for a while, especially like all through my teenage years because it was mostly drinking at the weekends. I couldn't stop because I had such a rigid structure through the week provided for me. Um, I could sort of, I managed it. Um, so, like I said, I didn't I didn't use cocaine until it was my 18th birthday, actually, and I thought I had landed, and I really enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> Talk to me about your first line. Do you remember where you were and... I remember explicitly where I was on my first line. Yeah. How much so did they charge you for it? Yeah. I think I got it for free, actually. And what you know, Pete. W w women do, don't they, Pete? Yeah, men don't. <laughs> men little, little boys definitely don't. <laughs> School boys don't. <laughs> women tend to get it for free, don't they? Mm. Um, do you remember your first ever line? Yeah, like, I did. Your very, very yeah. first one. Uh, talk to me when, when you had it. Feeling, how did you feel when you had it? I felt like I'd never felt before, and I thought, this is it, mm -hmm. without even realising that. And I walked for several hours because I wanted to, and I just felt like I was in... I felt like anything that was, you know, apparent in my life that I, you know, was struggling. Because at that time, I was really struggling in a relationship, and just, like, nothing mattered. And unbeknown to me, that was to become my weapon for defence. I felt like my whole life I was missing something. I couldn't know. I knew what it was. I couldn't put my finger on it. But I knew something was missing. You feel like this completion, don't then you? Then I had a line of coke, and I found. My head said I found what I've been looking for, and I reckon I was <clears throat> I was addicted straight away. Yeah, so was I, hundred percent. Um, you know, and then you know, it's like you have the taste for it, and then naturally, if you like something and it makes you feel a certain way, you're going to want more of it, whether it's unhealthy for you or not. You know, some people's go-to's food, isn't it? Just ours was a little bit more sort of, you know, damaging, shall we so say. What, what about people out there who say, who may take drugs and they don't want more? How, how do we explain why we can't stop taking something? Because it's, it's people who don't understand why we keep doing something despite the fact that it's ruining our lives. Does that make sense? Mm. They can't understand, can they? Why do no. you keep doing it then? Why can't you just stop? I think a lot of it's theory, isn't it? As yeah. Well, why we do this. A lot of different 
I always say to people, and when I get asked the question, that sort of question from some someone's partner or parent, for example, um, <clears throat> I, you know, I say, if it was that easy to just stop, there would be no rehabilitation course, facilities. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which highlights, you know, the struggles that people have and the importance of these places, because actually we need to go, well, for me, especially, I needed to be removed from society to get help to actually stop, you know, because it's like an obsession comes on, comes over you straight away, mm. isn't it? As soon as you have... If I was to go and have a sip of alcohol now, as we've clarified before, Pete, we'd lose our jobs immediately. But well, immediate effect, you lose everything, not just your job. Everything, everything, everything. in black book. Yeah, but, um, but I would, you know, I would have to have another one at the cost and detriment of anything and everybody, myself. Even though we know if we went and used today, we would lose everything today. You shift into another gear, don't you? It still doesn't stop it being appealing in your mind. Sometimes, sometimes it pop into your mind. And, your old way of thinking it will be appealing even though you know you will lose everything yeah. sometimes it just crops up if you have a beer pete how long do you think last about going to your go-to it will be within the hour i'll use drugs i think you're being me. generous i'm lying yeah <laughs> i've done it I've if, had if i plan if i plan to go and drink i've already got drugs on me <laughs> yeah. you're gonna all you're gonna be prepared aren't you but um it's too much we risk um a lot for very little. I think with me, with the drugs, you know, when a lot of my friends used to say, why don't you just stop? Why don't you just stay in? I constantly wanted to feel better than I did. Yeah. I always wanted to feel, <clears throat> I never felt at a level where I thought, I feel all right now. I always needed to make myself feel better. Mm. And that's why I put any drug that I could in me. And I took every drug available. The only drugs I haven't took are these new ones that are about hot. <coughs> and that's because yeah. I don't not, take... Not yet. Not yet, no. There's always <laughs> the future. But, not today, though. No. But I was. I always wanted to make myself feel better. Better. Yeah. I, I, I needed to feel better. And when better. you find that in a substance, naturally yeah. you're going to want more of it, aren't you? And do, I don't know about you, but I felt like I could cope and manage with anything yeah. once I had something in my system. I could operate, I could, you know, go about my daily life at the beginning, actually quite well, functioning addict, mm. they call it, don't they? How long did this, how long were you on this, like, was it a number of years before it progressed to heroin? So it was three, about three and a half years before it progressed into heroin. Um, unfortunately, because of my impaired decision-making at the time, I fell into another relationship, Yeah. Um, you know, and he was an active heroin addict, and I didn't know that at the time. Um, I was, uh, you know, I didn't even know that you could use, um, you could smoke it. I didn't even know that about heroin. Um, and it sort of came to like eight months into the relationship. Um, <clears throat> and I you're was still using Coke and drinking at that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and everything becomes a good idea for me when I've had a drink, no matter what it is. Yeah. There's nothing that's particularly off limits. Obviously there's certain things i know what you're saying though people <laughs> understand what like, you're saying. Um, decision making like, is my, poor isn't it yeah very and Same i've got many. myself into the most awful situations um and had awful consequences because of my decision making mm. from the alcohol and how old were you when you smoked heroin <clears> for the first time 21 coming up 22 still young Pete, though, mm. isn't it yeah um you know and i had absolutely no idea what i was getting myself involved in genuinely yeah. And I did not realise that it was the beginning of the end for me, you know, um, you know, because actually looking back now, and I do this regularly now, I drive around, especially when I'm driving back from seeing my family down in Paul, 
you know, I look back and remember what was, and it's incredibly sad because at that point in my life as well, um, I mean, the relationship was volatile and classed as domestic violent um, to the point where me and my son actually ended up going to a woman's refuge when I was 23 and we lived in there for two and a half years. Um, and I had a heroin habit and no one knew. I couldn't tell anyone. It's not exactly something that you come forth with, is it? It must be so difficult to... Mm. You, 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 can head, mas- you can mask it for a long period of time. Yeah, though. because physically... It I masked drug addiction really well. Yeah, because yeah. physically it didn't attack me physically mm. for quite a few years. I mean, it, it got me physically when I was, say, I must have been about 27, 28. But you so, know, people's okay. um, people think, oh, people on heroin, they immediately look like heroin addicts. It's not like that. No, it's not the case. People function for a long period of time, and it's only the signs that you look for that, like, me and you would know by the people's eyes, by the people, I would know pretty much if someone had just yeah, used. Yeah, yeah. But well, for, we got the eye for it. Yeah, we? but in in society they wouldn't. You can mask it with so many things. Sunglasses, just the littlest tints yeah. on your sunglasses and things like that, so people yeah. can't see your eyes up in a course of steroids for a bloke. It's just those and loads. That's what this yeah, guy yeah. Was on when I first got with him, you see, yeah. so I would have would have had no idea. I masked my addiction with steroids for years. Yeah. Unless you sat down with me for a while and you'd see that I was, I was fully in psychosis all the time. Mm. But from afar, you just think someone's going to the gym all the time. It just yeah. looks mental. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. It's, that's quite common, the, whole, the drugs and the steroids. Yeah. But what people can't see is what's going on inside the brain yeah. with all these chemicals, with the constant drug addiction mm. and the steroid addiction. And then you, it doesn't end well. It's no, never ended no, well for me. No, I've not heard anybody um, say, that, you know, coming to rehab, skipping. Do you know what I mean? No. no. What, what was you doing some years you were... Was it just heroin? Was there no crack? Or... Yeah, there was, but that came in a couple of years later. About three, four years later. It wasn't readily available where I was from, you see. Fortunately, at the time. Um... Was it readily available <laughs> where you were, Pete? Readily. Should have moved up here. No, we had £20 knives. <laughs> yeah. £20 rocks. Should have moved to full. Yeah. <laughs> what, were you, what was you like? Were you working at the time? Or is what was your... <clears throat> so I'd had my son, hadn't I? Yeah. Uh, but I did engage in certain things, but I'd never complete it. So I went, I did a um, access to higher age, uh, higher education course. Yeah. Um, On yeah. heroin. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite well. no. The word higher in that is very apt, isn't it? Yeah. You no, know, there's a lot of really successful actors, musicians, are all on heroin as we speak. Like, what, what, right now? Imagine so. Right now. I don't have days off. Straight <laughs> days off. Yeah. But as long as I had it, which I did at the beginning, I was all right because you just have to make sure that you stay well. Would you mind, Master, how are you accessing the heroin? Was it because you were the, was it your, your, through your partner? Uh, so either, so that was after my partner that I did the uh, uni thing. Yeah. Before then, um, so I would bed borrowing still. Yeah, yeah. Um, By any it, means necessary. A lot of shoplifting. Um, yeah. I stole from my family. Um, everything over the years which is um just to get what you want yeah what you needed because my addiction came before anything and everybody um i hear a lot i said it myself that i'm not a selfish person I'm not neither am i in recovery but, but i am but in the addiction. very fact that our, our drug taking is for everything else is selfish isn't it yeah 100 percent. we're only thinking of ourselves yeah and I we'll would... do anything to get our own way yeah it starts off as a want and ends in a need mm. yeah with the drugs, I found is you want to take drugs with your friends and you want to have a good time. And then it, in the end stages, is I need to take drugs. Mm. And it just goes and completely, I need, it spirals I need completely to out use of control. To survive. 
So let's talk about, so when, so you were 21 when you spoke heroin. Yeah. Um, that went on for a couple of years. <clears throat> talk to yeah. me about when crack came into, into your life. Before then, I'd done my first detox. So I've detoxed from opiates eight times mm-hmm. to date. Um, the last one being 2019 when I moved to Birmingham. Yeah. Um, so it's when I'd left the women's refuge, the crack yeah. came in, you know, and I found that, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it when I was taking cocaine mm-hmm. um, and crack was that just one step better for me. And that's the substance that I couldn't put down no matter what. Um, but I had a very high tolerance to the heroin, so I needed that. And I also needed a lot of um, crack. Psychological addiction, crack, cocaine. I've heard you describe crack as that. that. But it's, Coke, but... You will never bother with Coke again when you smoke crack. Uh, no. It's no good to you. No. It's like a, uh, an old car, you get a new car, you don't bother with the old car anymore. It's not fast enough. Mm. I've never heard that analogy of crack with the cars. It's a good one, though. I understand what you mean, yeah. So how long did this go on for, the crack and the heroin together? So that was around six years. What's your life like at this point? Oh, what was my life like at this point? It's got to have been a bit bit scary. You believe me, even if I told you. (laughs) It's got to be out there, isn't it? um, So, in a nutshell, how it ended up was, you know, it was my son, as I explained earlier, and went to stay with my mum. Yeah. Um, I found it incredibly difficult having the one person. I feel a bit emotional right now. It's okay. Um, because he was he's my world and yeah, he was yeah. everything to me. And I, you know, I you know, loved and cared for him more than anything or anybody, and you know, always will, just life's different now. Um so when he went to my parents. Um, you know, I've been through the court system twice in the substance misuse court. Um, I had to see him in a contact centre, which I found incredibly hard because I used to have him with me all the time. And I didn't feel like, I mean, in hindsight now, I can completely understand what was going on. But at the time, I felt like he was being taken from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, like, you know, I was always, he, I still took him with, everywhere with me. Like, he never went without or anything like that. But that was thanks to my parents a lot of the time. Um, but when he actually moved to my mum and dad's is when I really, really struggled. Like I still felt my feelings massively on the drugs and I could not contend with anything. And I hated myself. I, um, who did you blame? <clears throat> social services at the time. Like in your, you, like at that time, not now. Who did you blame? No, not now. Then. How did I blame them? My mum, yeah. unfortunately. Quite common. It's right. sad. It's okay. <clears throat> I blamed my mum and it was of no fault to her. Like at the end of the day, like if it hadn't been for my mum and dad, my son would be in the care system. hundred yeah. percent. Um it's not like that today, Lauren. So no, it's not. I just, you know, I do this in the car usually, get tearful. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he when he went to my parents, um I couldn't contend with waking up in my house without him there. So I spent the next two years sleeping in car parks and bushes um, with my drugs around the clock. And I would do, uh, it was by any means possible to make sure I had those drugs. Yeah. Um, And I would drink, you know, I'd like suppress everything through the day, like taking drugs. And then I would drink later on. Then it would all come out with the tears. Do you know what I mean? Because of the alcohol, because it sort of used to bring it out of me. I think alcohol does make you teary. Mm -hmm. It used to make me really teary. 
Yeah, I used to break down yeah. like outside somewhere, and it was just, it was you're, just you're so broken sad. At this point, I was right, absolutely yeah. beyond repair. It felt mm. like I'd given up. I didn't eat. I, you know, barely slept. When I said I would just, if I felt like a bit run down or something, I would just climb in a bush or go to sleep wherever I was, and you know, I was was barely seeing Owen, um, you know, and it just wasn't looking hopeful, and my weight plummeted as well I um when I actually came up to Birmingham to go to rehab I was six stone ten in the end wow um you know there was just nothing left of me physically I was physically battered emotionally battered you're starving like, to death right? <clears throat> yeah you're dying how long were you in active addiction for then it's a long time isn't it well the crack and heroin it was only six years oh combined but it was i touched drugs first picked up drugs at age 18 yeah. so i suppose you could say it was 13 years in total but it didn't my consequences didn't start arising until i was say 24 25. talk to me about talk to us sorry about how you got into recovery or oh, how did I, again <laughs> that was down to my amazing mum you know, yeah. had it not been for her, I wouldn't have bothered, to be honest with you. I was at the point where, you know, there was just no way that I was going to pick up a phone and ask for help myself. I wasn't in that place mentally. Um, you know, so I think sometimes that can be, I hope somebody hears that, it's encouraged to pick up the phone for a loved one because sometimes when they're just not capable of doing that themselves, I certainly wasn't. And I was quite annoyed with my mum at the time when she did phone somebody. Yeah. <laughs> because, I, I, you know, I thought, you know, I didn't. I couldn't have a conversation with this person without drinking alcohol, either. I um, felt like I was being betrayed for the people that were trying to get me help. I felt, mm. felt like they were betraying my trust. Mm. Mind their own business, sort of thing. Yeah, I did. I, <laughs> no, I did. I felt like I felt really betrayed that they were telling people about me. I rebelled against it yeah. for a long time. They were trying to save me. Mm. I just didn't want saving. Yeah, I get that. I couldn't save myself. I needed people to do it for me, 100%. So did your mum ring this place in Birmingham? Yeah. And before you know it, you were on your way to Birmingham? Pretty much. I mean, um, someone come down and did my assessment, um, you know, and at this point, like, so I developed a lot of respiratory problems. I was in hospital a lot on nebulizers. I needed my airways opening because I couldn't go like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even joking. Like if walking down the road, I would have to hold on to things. My son sadly would carry me around. Mm -hmm. um, and if the wind picked up, it sounds funny, I would have to walk backwards because if it got my breath, it would take my breath and I couldn't breathe. And that was the pivotal moment for me where I realised I'm going to fucking die. No, you can't swear on it. There's no limits on it. Sorry, Dad. Have we, have we swore? Yeah. Have you swore? <laughs> you <laughs> have to drop one in now, Pete. Uh, um, so I don't think we've swore. Sounds like you oh, were dying. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, I've lost track now. The wind blew you away. Yeah, so the wind would literally take my breath away. Um, and it frightened me because despite the circumstances that I was wrapped up in at the time, I did not want to die, okay? I didn't. And the main reason for that was my son, you know, and he was like my guardian angel. He's like, he kept me going, um, you know, and he gives me my reason and my purpose and my drive now because I like to do and show him better. So I've shown him a lot of unhealthy 
behaviors and now i show him different i've shown him that you can come out of an unhealthy relationship um as you know he's come into my work environment to see what i can do now um you know my home's very up together a drive and i've got all these things back that i once lost uh -huh. so i want him to see that no matter what i feel emotional again karen That's, sorry you're talking <laughs> yeah. about an emotional no matter matter, yeah. <laughs> I just You'll never see me off. cry. It's like getting blood out of a stone. I don't know, I don't know how to cry. Next week, I'm like, I've got, I've got questions for you. <laughs> I don't know how to cry. I'm well awkward, I am. Um, yeah, because, you know, it's all the messages that we show other people through our behaviours, isn't it? It's not always what we say, it's what we do. Um, and I just feel so, you know, pleased. That's not even you know, the good enough word for it. That, you know, I've, you know, I'm in recovery and I have been showing him that. Um, How long have you been in rehab for? Oh, that's good. So previously, um, I'd done quite a lot of one-week detoxes. And as we know and now know that that doesn't tackle what's going on underneath all of that. Yes. Um, so when I came up to Birmingham, I went for six months in the end. Actually, Kieran, I came up for three months. And if somebody had said, you're never coming back to Paul, I wouldn't have come up here. There's just no way because it would... <laughs> It would have been too overwhelming at the time. Do you know what I mean? I'd never been out of pool, you know, let alone move up halfway up the blooming country. Um, you know, but the, the state I was in physically and the realisation that I might not make it. I mean, the doctors was at the hospital once and they'd said to my family I wouldn't live longer than a year. Do you know what I mean? So having that sort of information relayed to me as well was to kick up the backside that I needed because that's not the outcome that I was trying to achieve here I just wanted to manage my feelings yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean it just it didn't pan out that way um yeah so I came up to Birmingham initially for three months and at this point I was just ready to give it everything that I had and I did um do you think do you think being told that you were going to die give you a, a fight to give it another shot of life yeah yeah yeah, because I just didn't... We take life for granted until we find out it's over, don't we? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And, um, by the way, you've only got 12 months left, and I might give it a try. I mean, the sad thing about addiction, really, Pete, isn't it, is that you just don't see any of that coming. No. You think you're going to be all right. I'll think it, it won't happen tomorrow. to you. Hey? You think it won't happen to yeah. you. You'll be all right. All the acts won't happen. Well, all the acts did happen, and it doesn't end well for me, which is why I'm up in Birmingham. Mm. Do you know what I mean? What, and I can't emphasise that to people enough, like... What do you do for your recovery now? What's your routine? What's your structure? I know you train. I do. Yeah. So do you, Pete? Don't yeah, you? we train. Yeah. Oh, I know I do. Kieran trains. <laughs> he does sometimes. He ru he runs. Yeah, sometimes. He runs. Um, train on holiday. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I thought did, you would. Yeah. I thought you'd do a bit on you're holiday. You're gonna say that because you're on here. No, I did. I did. No, you do. You, I thought you do train on holiday, don't you? Yeah. Um, I do it the wrong way around. <laughs> I go on holiday and eat well and train well, and then for the rest of the year, do the opposite. Oh. I don't know why. I'm just yeah. That's not a thing that works. No, You're like, oh right. Yeah. It, does, it doesn't work, Laura. <laughs> but in my head, it does. It makes sense. I find well, it makes sense. To you. <laughs> I find exercise a massive part of my recovery. In fact, like oh, more than fifty percent to feel good with no mm. with no consequence. Well, it's your physical. Uh, you know, your emotional and your spiritual well-being that yeah. you're looking after, isn't it? And I I found it quite easy to fall into. And I think that's because, you know, I was had such a good routine with my dancing when I was younger. Mm. So, like, you return back to type, don't you, usually, um, when you come into recovery. Um, but for me, it's all about a massive lifestyle change. Like, yeah. you have to consider every aspect of your life. Change it all. Change it all. So, you know, and that's exactly what I did. Um, 
<clears throat> do you remember getting a day clean? Yeah, I cried. Yeah. Yeah, it broke down. A lot of people underestimate how amazing it is to get a day <laughs> There's clean. There's nothing like isn't it. There? Yeah. <laughs> that first day you just, means yeah. the world to me. It did to me. One day clean. I'm guilty of this. And then I quickly became dismissive. You know, as the days became weeks, so I was like, I'm only a week clean. I'm only two weeks clean. Then you forget how important it was to get a day yeah. clean. It's mad, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I, I forget. I, yeah. The first actual day I was clean, genuinely clean. It wasn't so much about telling anyone I was clean for that day. It was more internal because I'd I'd lied so much about being clean for so many years. You know, the, the, the clean time and me being clean. So when I actually had no, no no substance in my body for a whole day, that the end of that day I was so impressed with myself. I just thought like I am walking the walk now. It's not even bullshit. Because there's a time when you just don't yeah. think that's achievable, isn't no, it? I just thought I'm just gonna say I am. It's not the same. The pain never ended when I was doing it like that. But like, you know, we talk about exercise. Um, the lads that we look after, we, we always implement a lot of exercise. I went through a lot of periods of my time, like you were talking about, you were starving my body and abusing my body. I was asked before if I ever had an eating disorder or anything like that, and I said no. And then as I went through my life, I went through times of not eating hardly anything for weeks. Yeah. You know, starving my body. And then I've also had times in recovery where I've, used food to change the way I felt and become really overweight. Do you know what I mean? So oh, I can vouch for that. Yeah, he was there, yeah. And <laughs> he likes that. But, <laughs> and uh so it's now a, to to it's amazing how you get in the zone though. To yeah. Just drop weight. I've lost weight now. It's I've amazing, lost about yeah. a stone and a half. You get in yeah. the zone like yeah. that. Yeah. You don't notice. Yeah, but you, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think I'd have got in this chair about a month ago. <laughs> But no, I, I just think it's really important that we look after our, our bodies and our minds mm. now. I think they've been through enough. And that was like my main reason for changing as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that's what I look after now. How yeah. do you find recovery? I love it. Isn't it. Do you say it's easy? No. Um, it can be difficult. Um, I think it's um, it can be difficult in certain situations and circumstances with certain people. Um, I think relationships can be difficult. Um, all, all relationships or... You know, whether madam, that's madam, sort of romantic, yeah, you know, as a parent. Or, or, um, do you find all relationships difficult? No, no, no. You not don't? now, no. no. Early recovery, yeah, not yeah. now. Early recovery, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, Any kind of relationship. Almost. Yeah. I didn't know how to sort I, of... I find relationships sometimes tricky. Sometimes mm. that's more my... Yeah. My head yeah. trying to have me over more than the actual relationship. Pendulum wake yeah. up as... Always. Yeah, <laughs> not so much no more, but <laughs> if I wake up, uh, you know, all these different personalities inside your head sometimes, it, depend, it affects relationships, I think. People like us, people like me, I don't speak for myself, really. <laughs> Everyone's like, not me. <laughs> like... I do a bit. I struggle with all relationships sometimes. I go through periods of time where all relationships I, I find just, I don't know, I just, I put myself on my own a bit, maybe for... Uh, long periods of time when I shouldn't but mm. seems to be the way mm. well, sorry Pete Karen, sorry sorry I was going to, just going to ask your um, worst times in recovery what would they been my worst time in recovery uh, my top one would be uh, I was pregnant two years ago actually okay. and um, unfortunately there were health complications okay and I couldn't continue with the pregnancy um, I'll start crying again now. That's all right. <laughs> um, 
So there were complications. So I gave birth to him at five and a half months. Um, uh, so he would have been two this month and his name was Max. Um, and that was extremely um, difficult to contend with. Um, uh, we had a funeral for him. Um, I've got his, I've got like a little heart by my bed with his and there. And some little bits, and it's just not something you ever consider that you might come up against, mm. you know, because I was pregnant and, you know, I was, um, felt like I was, you know, been given this other chance and then to have that sort of shattered. And I had like a one out of 367 chance, I think it was, of that happening. Um, and I thought it was How because. How did you get through that real, <clears throat> that's a difficult time, isn't it? Yeah. And I say this all the time, and I say it with a smile because other people talking, I've got, and I still have these people in my life now, five people that I access regularly, you know, and I've got a very strong relationship with them. And I spoke with them day in, day out, as I did when I came out of a relationship um, five months ago. Um, it's the only thing we've got in recovery and a vape, maybe, and a cigarette. But the, we've got, you no know, no vaping. No vaping for you. But, you know, like, we, in the talking works on pretty much everything. It's like yeah, you say, it if, it's work, if it's worked for you in this, there's no worse situation than that, really. If it's worked for you in this, surely mm. that's proof that this, this mm. works. So yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To talk to each other mm. about what's going on. Yeah, 100%. And it's just, like, my mum was always used to say to me, I'll go and talk to someone, Lauren, you need help. And I thought, well, what good's that going to do? I, mm. I'm used to smoking hard drugs. I didn't think talking is going to. But actually, it works, it's the yeah. most beautiful thing that you can do. Yeah, you know, because it, you know, you um share something with somebody, mm. and it's like as long as it's somebody that you feel confident with and you trust them. Obviously, I'm not saying go and talk yourself to everybody, but it's carried me through. And that's one person who's at you know, I'd go as far as say he saved my life. Yeah, he has absolutely saved my life. I engaged in therapy for I still do it now, so a long time. Yeah. Um. And as they say in the fellowship, isn't it? The therapeutic value of one addict have helping another. And, all that. and it's true. That is just, it's just mm. so true. But like we can save other people's lives just by being present for them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And so, that's what's on that. That's what's the best recovery. Yeah. Oh, so that was not long ago, um, actually. So I was wondering, there's another thing, actually, like, Whenever I come up against hardship now, like when I left my relationship and, you know, bits and bobs, you might have a, you know, discrepancy with a friend, this and that and the other. Like, I've already overcome the most difficult thing that I'm ever going to have to overcome, and that is coming up to Birmingham away from my son. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So nothing's even going to touch or come close to that, and I've overcome that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've ma I managed that situation quite well now. Um. So... It's always good in recovery, I think, to compare to what you were like. You that's know, the, only, and, and that's the only comparison we can make. You can draw strength from weakness. You know, no, you can buckle under the pressure in the moment, they can't you, yeah. and think that you're incapable and you can't move through. Well, actually, you can. If you look at the past and everything that's gone on, gone on over that time, you know, we're actually, you know, we've actually contended with a lot, you know, and we can turn that into a strength. And that's what I try and do, flip it. Otherwise, you get sucked back into it. That's what I think, anyway. So we can use them past traumas to shape who we are moving forward, can't we? Would you say you, the you, right you've grown? Yeah. 
the stuff that you've gone through that you haven't used, would you say that you've grown through and become stronger because yeah. of them times? Yeah, that's where you get that's your what I find. That's where you get your growth, a hundred percent. I don't find I grow on the good days. No. I love the good days, but I grow on the painful days or the tough days. Yeah, yeah. When I, I battle through it, I talk to people, I get it resolved, and then I grow through it. Yeah. The, uh, the good days are good, but the growth is where you've got through the struggles, I think. Mm. That's what I, that's what's happened in my life. So yeah, when yeah. you've got from being in car parks, sleeping in bushes, heroin, crack, traumatic experiences. Yeah. You've been clean for, tell me. Three tell and a half years. Three and a half years. And I want you to tell us and the listeners what you've achieved in them three and a half years. I know Ooh. it's quite a lot. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I've been quite um, persistent with it all. So um, you just asked a minute ago, like, what was my best moment? And yeah, that was that, that was probably quite... I think I <laughs> asked your question. I was a bit... <laughs> do I go left? Do I go right? <laughs> just look um, straight on. <laughs> yeah, Sam, what do you think? <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so what my, you know, or, like, the most rewarding um, part for me so far was, I, you know... I went to Egypt, uh, as you know, like three months ago with yeah. my son. It was just me and him. Was it? But yeah, it must have been about three months ago. Um, you know, and I'd saved for that holiday myself. You know, I'd, I'd never sort of achieved anything like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I went all in. We had, you know, a five-star hotel. Um, you know, we flew to the pyramids. Do you know what I mean? Me and him, just me and my boy, flew to the pyramids the second day we got there. <laughs> Um, you know, and then we went on these camels there across the desert, and that's when it got me where I was and what I was doing and who I was with. And I'm going to get emotional again now, Kieran. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just the most emotionally rewarding the experience. You want, you want a camel? I was across the, I can't, I don't even know what the desert's called. That's bad, isn't it's it? It's Sahara, was... the Egyptian desert. Big sandy, <laughs> that big sandy bit. I was in Cairo. Yeah. Just a beach with rocks Somewhere. on it. <laughs> It's just a backdrop well, somewhere, you really. in Egypt? <laughs> and I just thought, all of that mess that happened over those years, and now we're going across the desert in Egypt, just us two. And it was just, it was a really warm day. Um, it was just perfect. And the deserts tend to be warm. <laughs> you know that when you're going across there, you're really certain. Mm. And then you think of all that mess before. None of that exists anymore, does it? I speak to people all the time, and they dwell on it a lot. And... You know, like with the car parks and stuff, sleeping rough and stuff, and like that doesn't exist anymore. This, yeah, that's that's not where me now. no, you were. You're... That's where my addiction took me, but yeah, it's certainly not something it's, I was doing now. Done, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's done, it? isn't it? It's done. Yeah. Now you. Mm. This is now. Don't have to live like that anymore. No, that's I it. I lived like that at the time under the pressure and the inability to sort them, of. Them times don't exist anymore, do they? No. They've been they've they've been hard. No. Now um, I know what you do find really rewarding in your recovery, and that is your professional life. Yes. And now you work with recovering addicts. Yes. You actually work with the project one day a week. Yes. Which is I do. Which is um and when I met you, uh, me and Pete, I said it wouldn't be great to get Lauren involved in the project in the future. Ah. Uh, but through uh, our belief and our work, Pete, this is now possible. I said the same about Claire as well. I wanted Claire, and now it's all becoming like you actually. It's true, isn't it? Mm. And I sometimes I find it hard to comprehend that. So what things are happening? What else do you do, Lauren? Oh, what else do I do? So I've done uh, quite a lot of training over the past few years. Um, so my focus is in life coaching now. 
because I believe that coming into recovery, you know, yes, we need to look back to move forwards, absolutely. And like, we can't move forward without looking backwards, can we? Um, you know, but life coaching is what I've chose to focus on. And for me, it's like, a, it's a lifestyle change, isn't it? Um, you know, and as we said earlier, it's not just changing one thing, it's changing everything. What's your life going to look like post rehab and detox? You know, that's, that's like an area where people struggle. I've struggled in that area for years. I'd do all right in a service, I'd come out and it would all fall to shit again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? With no understanding as of why. Um, hindsight's wonderful, isn't it? Um, yeah, so I also work for facing addictions, which is, you know, I um, help people to find the right rehab for them, you know, because there's, there's lots of different rehabilitation facilities all up and down the country, you know, and they're not all so suitable for everybody. So I help people to find what's going to work for them. Um, we also do home detox plans, uh, life coaching and counselling. Um, you know, I really enjoy working with people sort of with an aftercare approach. Because like I said, it's not always about detoxing, is it? As you know, mm -hmm. like your service provides people the great structure, doesn't it? Well, I hope, we hope so. We try. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I've been at college as well, studying counselling and psychotherapy because I want to help people to look back and to look forward as well. I'm trained in Reiki as well, Kieran. Reiki? Yeah. <laughs> Just drop that in there. Just throw that in <laughs> yeah. there. I've got Indian head massage coming up at the end of the month. I know what you mean, though. A lot of people, they go for, like you've been for a lot of seven-day detoxes. Yeah. And people go into, say, if they have a 28-day stay somewhere, and they do great, but then afterwards they come back into the yeah. real world. Yeah. And then life happens to you. Yeah. And then before you know it, you are back where you started. Yeah. It's, I find recovery is for the rest of our lives. It is, yeah. To, to, an, to an extent, thing, to an extent. We don't have to, I don't have to be um, doing it 24 hours a day. The, the beauty of it is if you do it enough, then you can lighten up a little bit. But I think it's, it's an ongoing thing, isn't it? Mm. And we just keep on top of it and make sure we're all safe. That's how I see it. So, Laura, you know, for people out there that are where you were, yeah, in the depths of despair, Male, female, it doesn't matter. What would your message be to these people? What would you, if you could give them? If you could speak to Lauren then. Oh, then I'll start crying again, Kieran. <laughs> what would you say to Lauren then from Lauren now? What advice would you give Lauren? <clears throat> oh, okay. So there's no shame, you know, involved here. And it's okay to speak to somebody and ask for help. I think that's very sound advice, isn't it? Do you think if you could have... You can't do it yet yeah, on your own. No. Do you think if you could have gone back, you'd have spoke about some of the stuff that was hurting you at the beginning? Okay. If you could go back, would you have spoke about some of the stuff earlier that was hurting you, that happened to you, maybe? I think you'd have spoke... <clears throat> if, if there was opportunities to speak to professionals or to I speak had, to... I had a lot of opportunities to speak to people. I just didn't. I, how do I explain it? I couldn't understand. I thought it would never happen to me. And I never anticipated that things might end up as they did. I'd sat in groups from age, I must have been 23, mm. up until I came up here at 31. Like, it wasn't my first sort of experience sitting in groups. I've been doing that for years. My problem was application. You know, I could retain all the knowledge fine. I could sit there and listen to somebody all day long. But actually applying it to Lauren when she left the room was an entirely different thing. Walking the walk. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. walk the walk. 
That's quite it's, it's a common story. Well, isn't I, th- it? I think your yeah. journey is a very it's an amazing journey that you've been on from yeah, where you were to where you are now. There is uh, a massive contrast. Yeah, and I think, and also me and Pete, I'm not, I'm not speaking for Pete, but I know you'll feel the same. To thank you so much for being so open and honest. And, and the thing that's going to go out in the public, it's not an easy thing to do. I but, that even, part. <laughs> but, but even if that lands on one person's ears and they think, you know what, I'm mm. going to ring someone to get the help, job done. Mm. And that's all we're trying to do mm. is trying to uh, break down the barriers of people asking for help that they so desperately need. Yeah. And listen to your story, maybe that just that they need to do so. Mm. And that's all we do the podcast for. So we're going to have a guest on next uh, on episode number two. All right. So we want you to leave a question for our next guest. So if you're gonna, so for me, I would maybe say, when, how old were you when you first took drugs? Whatever the question you want it to be, mm. we're gonna open the next podcast with the very question that you asked right now. It'll be question number one for our next guest. Okay. At what point did you realise that your drug or alcohol use was a problem for you? I want to thank you, Lauren, for. Uh, for an excellent, I thought it was great, did you, Pete? Yeah, it was brilliant, really good. I really enjoyed doing it and the conversation was great, so I want to thank you so much. And if anybody out there is struggling or they can relate to what Lauren says or they need any help and support, then please don't hesitate in contacting us. You can contact us via, Pete, I'll allow you to do it, via... Facebook, <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> we have our website, dynamoproject.co.uk. We're also uh, based in town, yeah. which is available for anyone literally to drop in at any point. We're based on Hartford Street. Um, Coventry Town Centre. Coventry yeah. Town Centre. You can literally just walk in off the street. Um, you can ask for Charlie if you don't want to actually... I'll ask for Charlie initially where you come in. You ask to speak to Charlie. At that point, we know that you're here to talk about something sensitive. It's an initiative that we're quite passionate about. And people are coming in, aren't they, Pete? The amount yeah. of people dropping in for help and support is amazing in, in a wow. way so if you are struggling do not hesitate and get in touch with us uh we'd like to thank you all for listening i thought, I thought it was a great podcast thank you again lauren thanks lauren thank you and pete any any worlds of wisdom you want to leave the podcast on i honestly think if there is people listening to this podcast that's going out especially more so young women um with addiction issues i think it's definitely going to help people I really do